Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Hey guys, I'm the little goblin boy that lives inside of Patreon, and I'm here to tell you about Patreon.com slash woe underscore begone. That's where you can get instrumentals, early access to episodes, soundtrack albums, director's commentaries. I am currently wrapping up a Q&A for $2 patrons, so if you sign up on the day that this episode comes out, you will be able to ask me a question, and I will answer it in the form of an audio podcast. Again, that's patreon.com slash woe underscore begone. I am the little goblin boy who lives inside of Patreon, and if you stop believing in me, then I stop existing. Special thanks to my 10 newest patrons. Ash Cinder, Escherichia, Blood Mulch, Tiffany Chand, Joe Baker, Pablo Neurotic, Primary Glitch, Fable, Paragon Paladin, and Marion Perry-Reed for supporting the show. Enjoy. Sometimes we here at base choose the wrong people for the job. It happens. We're new to this whole thing, remember. None of us have ever had to run a whole time travel operation before, Edgar and Anne act like they're good at it, but this is their first rodeo too. As far as the rest of us go, we don't even act like we're good at it. So sometimes there are, let's be polite and call them, severe miscalculations, and for instance, I die. 
Or we're experimenting with technology that we don't understand and a hamster gets shot into space. Rest in peace, Chubbums. Or my assassination plans go wrong and I get brutally injured and I have to be rescued by a Latvian cowboy and his gal Friday. Shit happens. Project Thibodeau Mission 1 was one such mistake. That is, of course, on me, at least to a certain extent. It was my idea, and I had control over most of the goals and the procedures. Again, being polite in my phrasing, it did not go as planned. We sat some open-ended goals at the outset, like find out what we could about Ty Betteridge, and we accomplished those because it's hard to fail at something so open-ended. But what began as an operation with two team members in the field resulted in only one team member coming back. That is a lot of points deducted from our success metrics. In the wake of this failure, Edgar scheduled a post-mortem meeting to discuss what happened, what we learned, and what went wrong. The Project Thibodeau Mission 1 post-mortem was going to be... messy. But even I couldn't have foreseen how messy it was going to be. This is Wobegon. The conference room for the postmortem was claustrophobic. That's because it wasn't a conference room, it was my bedroom. Base didn't have a conference room, it was just a house that was being rented out by Anne. This normally worked in our favor because we could live in the house, and we would be there whenever we were needed, but it felt suffocatingly small with all five of us there together. Through sheer luck of the draw, my bedroom had the largest blank wall for projecting a PowerPoint presentation onto, so today it was the conference room. Don't get me wrong, it was a nice bedroom, I've been held hostage and worse. There was more space than I needed, especially with Edgar only being there some of the time due to how we scheduled our missions. Though it was decidedly not enough space for me, Hunter, Anne, Edgar, and Marissa. We were sardines in a can. I made a mental note to buy some heavy furniture to put in front of that wall to take it out of the running for being the conference room ever again. Nice cowboy hat, Mikey, Marissa said. Do you always leave it on the bedside table like that? I groaned. If I knew that everyone was going to go through my stuff, I would have saved myself the trouble and just died in North Dakota, I said. Marissa was beaming. It was too late to stop her. And how about that deerskin jacket that's hanging in the closet? It's got the fringes and everything! It's painting a picture, Mikey boy! I took a deep breath and tried not to get embarrassed, because Marissa wanted me to be embarrassed, and I didn't want to give her the pleasure. It was a gift from Edgar, I said. Yeah, I bet it was! Your face is so red right now! She was right. I could control what I said, but I couldn't control my face flushing. Are those cowboy boots? She asked. They were, in fact, cowboy boots. So, uh, everyone's here. Can we get started with the postmortem? I asked. I was pleading to Edgar with my eyes. Edgar, meanwhile, was suppressing a chuckle. I was alone in my torment. Left out in the elements, thrown to the wolves... Edgar was not riding to my rescue. 
I hadn't even bought or even acquired by choice any of these items that were being scrutinized. The cowboy hat was left behind by Michael at the house in Rugby, North Dakota. The deerskin jacket was a gift from Edgar. The boots were also a gift from Edgar. But it's like, ironically, okay? We thought it would be really funny if I had cowboy boots. It's all very funny. It's very wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, please take a second to consider how this is in fact funny. Thank you. We really should get started, actually, Edgar said. Finally, Edgar, please rescue me before they start going through my journal or Marissa figures out that there are spurs on those boots. But just to be clear, this meeting is not going to be a fun time. Are we ready? Edgar asked. Everyone muttered agreements and nodded. The meeting began. So, the Thai Betteridge Data Operation Mission 1, Edgar began. A bare-bones PowerPoint presentation began to play on the wall behind him, black text on a white background. And I'm sure that the bare-bones approach is enough to get the job done, but come on, Edgar, do the typewriter animation, it's PowerPoint, Edgar continued. This is mostly to get Hunter up to speed since he wasn't here for it, but hopefully we can get the rest of us on the same page as well because Mikey and Anne and I all worked different shifts. The goal was broad and simple, to find out more information about Ty Betteridge. We were able to determine through the reconnaissance efforts of Marissa and Ravi, there was a cold silence after Edgar said Ravi's name. There was barely a pause between him saying Ravi and going on with his sentence, but that pause felt like ages. I could see the dread on everyone else's faces as well. The jokiness was gone. It had been snuffed out with a single word. Ravi. That is what we were actually there for. Nobody cared about my cowboy boots anymore. It felt torturous to save what happened to Ravi for the end of the presentation, but Edgar kept going. The mission was designed to take 72 hours, but came in just under 24 in our continuous time, and just under 32 hours in time spent in the field. During that time, we learned that Ty was someone with more authority in Over than we once thought. As someone who thought that he had similar job responsibilities as Ty, I can attest that his behavior was not typical. We learned that he was able to access red flag cabins, seemingly with permission and authority to go inside and access classified information therein. And kill with impunity, I added. I will get to that, I'm telling everything in order, Edgar said. Edgar looked down at the ground and then righted his posture and proceeded with the presentation. We decided not to attempt to retrieve the red flag cabin files, which were transferred to a nearby building, which Mike has identified as being the same building that he successfully retrieved files from after seeing Hunter deposit them there. Excuse me, red flag cabin files? Hunter interrupted. He stood up from his chair in surprise. I would say that he walked over to me, but we were in my cramped bedroom, so he actually took a single step towards me, which put him right on top of me. Hunter is a tall guy with a big frame. He's one of those guys that played football in high school because the coach saw him and knew that even if he didn't love football, he could be a decent linebacker through sheer size. He probably looked more imposing standing over me in my shitty folding chair than he intended to. I winced, recalling several incidents with punished Hunter with similar beginnings, and Hunter's face softened seeing my reaction. It wasn't you, it was Mystery Hunter, at least I think it was. I eked out the words. I was embarrassed by how scared I felt. I knew that Hunter wasn't going to hurt me, but I wasn't in control of how my body reacted. Someone who looked exactly like him had pummeled me half to death on more than one occasion. That face was the last thing that I saw before losing consciousness once. It was the second day on the job and I had orders from Wobegon. I had to do it. If it makes you feel any better- I stopped myself short. I was going to say, if it makes you feel any better, that story eventually ended with me getting shot by Marissa, 
but not everyone knew that story, and I knew that Marissa didn't want everyone to know. If it makes you feel any better, it wasn't you, and I had to do it, and I didn't get anything out of it for myself, and I'm sorry. Well, you're wrong on one count there. It is me, bud, Hunter said. He took a step back to his own crappy folding chair and sat down. You have iterations now, too. You know they're you. Have some respect. If you didn't have a choice, you didn't have a choice. Say that. But have some respect. I could feel my face flushing again. Edgar, Anne chided, pointing at her watch. Can we speed this along? Maybe these two can fight later. Right. Edgar leapt right back into the presentation. We decided not to retrieve the red flag cabin files, and those files were later picked up by Over's internal mailing service, which put them outside of our consideration for the remainder of the trip. Marissa then went to Ty's personal cabin while Ty was working to search for clues. She found many files scattered around in a large safe in his bedroom. None of these were confirmed as relevant to our operation, though. Anne was on duty at base and denied permission to break in or to use the calculator to enter the cabin. Anne, do you want to speak on that? Sure, Anne said. She looked around, trying to address the whole room from her seat. Ty Betteridge is known to be dangerous, to have significant access to technology, and to be operating in times other than this one. Breaking in could have put Marissa in a position where she could be the subject of retaliation for dubious material gain to base. It simply isn't worth it for information that we don't even know could be useful. Marissa and Ravi, Marissa said. What did I say? Anne asked. Just now, both of you said Marissa. It was me and Ravi. We went together. He was there for everything. Marissa and Ravi scoped out Ty's cabin. Marissa and Ravi were together the whole time until he... Marissa trailed off. A silence fell over the room after Marissa was done speaking. I was suddenly aware of the hum of the projector that was displaying the presentation on my bedroom wall. The PowerPoint didn't mention Ravi on the slide about checking out Ty's cabin either. It just said Marissa. I think Edgar was trying to avoid bringing Ravi up until he absolutely had to. We're going to talk about Ravi, Edgar said. His voice felt like some life had been drained from it. He pressed on. Next slide. Night came and Ty retired to his quarters. Marissa and Ravi retreated to the rendezvous location. This slide also only had Marissa's name on it. In the dead of night, Ty left his quarters and Marissa heard a gunshot from the opposite direction of Ty, which ended up being a correction from future base. They had been sent with orders to distract Marissa and separate her. Mike and Michael. They fucking killed him, Marissa said. They distracted me and then they executed him like a fucking mob hit. We don't know that, I countered. You said it yourself, Mike. Ravi was a problem and he's not anymore. What the fuck else could that mean? Marissa was shaking. That wasn't me. I was here at base. I was in your earpiece. That was Michael, I tried to explain. Oh, so it was you and your fucking dress-up cowboy antics out there playing gunslinger. You killed him! Or you're going to kill him. That's what you mean, right? That's better for you? That you somehow haven't gotten the blood on your hands yet? Marissa? Edgar tried to intervene. He looked like a lost puppy dog standing there watching us argue. What happened was, Base issued a correction that was carried out by the Latvia team. It was a decision made by future Base, based on their knowledge of the consequences of that mission and of having Ravi on our team. A future iteration of you is on the future Base team, Marissa. You helped come to this decision too. You have to trust that the future iterations of the Base know more than we do. That's how our whole operation is structured. I admired Edgar's patience as he tried to explain this to her. Maybe I decided with all of you, Marissa said, but I didn't pull the trigger. I'm sorry, I grumbled. No, you're not, Marissa shot back. I lost my cool. 
you know what, you're right, I'm not sorry, I didn't do anything wrong, and I don't love defending him, but Michael didn't do anything wrong. He did what had to be done because Ravi was dangerous, and you looped him in too far into what we were doing. Fuck you, Marissa spat the words at me. While that was happening, Edgar continued loudly, hoping he could shout down the argument, said Latvia team reported Ty Bedard shooting and killing someone on the opposite side of Tier 1. This cut our plans drastically short, and we extracted Marissa successfully. My recommendation is that we limit our teams exclusively to the five of us and our iterations, and to take corrections as serious critique of the airtightness of our missions, and to scrutinize our own methods of operations accordingly. There, the end. Postmortem complete. Commence discussion, which you've already got a head start on. He threw his hands up. Ravi wasn't going to rat us out. You murdered him, Marissa said. That idiot cowboy is you in ten years. Ten years from now, you're going to do that, and you aren't even going to think twice about whether or not it's the right thing to do. You already said that you don't care. Am I wrong? Marissa, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I put my head in my hands. And because of you, we didn't even get to see what Ty was up to. You ruined your own plan, dipshit. That's... that's not fair. I looked to Edgar and Anne. Future base made the decision, Marissa. Anne said. What's not fair is that this asshole gets to go play Clint Eastwood and we're all just supposed to sit back and accept it when he guns someone down because Bass said so, Marissa shouted. It would have been easy to stop holding my tongue, to tread out the, oh, but Marissa, remember when you shot me card? But I didn't. I was mad at her, but she was in pain, and I knew what that felt like. I'm not thrilled with what happened either, Marissa. I didn't make any of these decisions, I said. My words completely failed to console her. I could see it on her face. Hunter sat quietly in the corner, raising his hand politely, waiting for the anger to die down before adding his two cents. Very Minnesota. Ooh, sorry about that, bud. Sometimes it feels like I can do the accent, and sometimes it feels like I can't. I don't know. Edgar saw his hand raised and used it as an out. Oh, Hunter, you have a question, he said, interrupting the ensuing battle. Oh, yeah, uh, when did you say the date of the operation was? He asked. Edgar told him the date of the mission. Oh, yeah, uh, you know I was already working it over when that happened, right? Hunter asked. Yeah, we knew you were working there, but you said that you had job responsibilities at over, so we didn't put you out in the field. Edgar replied. You should have told me when the mission was. I was there. That morning. The guy who got shot in front of the cabins. Mike, I told you the first time we met, Hunter said. The first time we met? What? I asked. I know that I told you because you asked me if very much goes on it over, and I was explaining that no, it doesn't. But also my first week on the job, I heard shots fired and ran out to see if I could help, and by the time I got there, over was already cleaning it up. Does that sound familiar? Hunter asked. Uh, maybe. You told me a lot that day, Hunter. Oh, uh, is- you told me that they staged that to spook you, right? I asked. Well, I thought that made sense at the time, but now it seems like this Ty Betteridge fellow is the one that did it. When I showed up, they told me that the guy was trying to break into Tier 2, so security shot him. I got spooked by the guys in uniforms and went back to my cabin. That's when I learned to keep my head down. You're saying that you saw the body? Anne asked. Oh yeah, Hunter said. You don't forget something like that, I just remember so much blood. It was soaking into the ground. And of course, Tier 3 security wasn't very friendly when they were trying to cover it up. Move along, nothing to see here, that sort of thing. Tier 3? You're sure about that? Edgar asked. I'm pretty sure, 
I didn't know what Tier 2 looked like at the time, and now I know these guys weren't from Tier 2. They were serious business, Hunter said. Ty was with Interfacing Team, right? Anne asked. So that's not even in Tier 2. Oh, I wouldn't take what anyone says they're doing at face value, Hunter explained. Not to mention the Interfacing Team can mean anything. And he could be strategically placed, not doing the job he said he was doing. There's people at the desks like Edgar here, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's guys out there say they're janitors, but you can tell they're really up to something else. And then one day you catch him badging into Tier 3 and mystery solved. But you make it sound like Ty killed this guy with authorization from over, I said. Maybe. Probably. I knew him as the kid on the interfacing team, but that doesn't mean that's what he was. He was up to something, clearly. I mean, he was wearing that mask when I... Hunter trailed off. Shot him. When Hunter shot him dead in Tier 2 is what he was going to say. No one is free from suffering the memories of their actions today, not at the Project Thibodeau Mission 1 post-mortem, emphasis increasingly on mortem. I could see the excitement on Edgar's face. That's great, Hunter, he said. We didn't have any leads on who it was, why Ty shot him, or how he seemingly got away with killing a man. That's huge that you recognize the murder. We would have been totally lost without you. Great job. Hunter shrugged. If you say so. But that's the new direction, right? I asked. That's what the next project is going to be, to figure out who this guy is and why Ty might have been instructed to kill him. Who says that Ty was instructed? Anne asked. Well, Anne, unless he is the head of Over, the authority to kill had to come from somewhere, I said. And who said that Ty Betteridge isn't the head of Over? Anne asked. He's like 25, I replied. When would he have had the time to be the head of a top-secret governmental facility? I'm just saying it's unwise to rule anything out without proof, Anne said. Then let's get some proof, then. That's mission two, right? To find this guy before Ty kills him? I'm not saying that we prevent the killing, we just find the guy. He could have some extremely useful information. Something was worth killing him over, and whatever that information is could be extremely valuable to us, I said. I agree, Bear. I think that's the next course of action, Edgar said. Marissa scoffed. Of course he agrees. Marissa, do you have some criticism that you'd like to share with us? Edgar asked. Bear here just got one of us killed, and you're letting him plan another mission? Marissa asked. I could see her balling her hands into fists. But Marissa, you have to agree though, right? Edgar asked. We should figure out who this person is and what they had to do with Ty. He replied calmly, sidestepping the anger. I don't even care about this shit anymore, Marissa said. Then you aren't in a place to criticize, Edgar replied. Marissa, I'm sorry this happened. Sorry's the wrong word. Marissa, I'm devastated this happened. But this is still base, and we still have missions to carry out. You can sit this one out or take a shift here at base. I think Mikey and Hunter should be in the field for this one. Mikey because it's his mission and that's where he works best, and Hunter because he remembers what happened. Wait, I'm going, but I didn't work it over back then, I said. As long as we aren't using the gate over and over again, I don't think that's as important as we thought. You'll have to get in and out with the calculator if you need to take a break, because Charlie never forgets a face and if you show up before you're supposed to, that's going to be a problem. But we have the rendezvous location and that worked pretty well, so it shouldn't be a big deal, Edgar said. I think it'll be fine. Hunter, is this okay with you? Hunter didn't reply. His demeanor had shifted. He seemed to shrink into himself. He looked uneasy. 
Hunter, we could really use your expertise on this one, Edgar said. I can't, I have work it over, Hunter said quietly. We'll make you an over-iteration then, Edgar said. You should definitely get an over-iteration, it's great. Overmike seems like he's having a great time out there doing his job and I don't have to do any work, I added. There are enough of me already, Hunter said. You could come live here if you wanted to, Anne said. I'm not charging anybody rent. Except for me, I interjected. See, Mikey's got you covered, H, Anne replied. You guys are too cavalier about this, Hunter said. It's gonna backfire. Aren't the mics super weird about consolidation anytime you bring it up? Something's gonna happen. Will you think about it at least? Edgar asked. We really need you on the mission, Hunter. It's either you or I send Mike in alone. We can always make another Mike and consolidate us when I get back, I added. I'll go, Hunter said abruptly. You'll go? You're sure? Edgar asked. Don't make any more mics, I'll go, Hunter repeated. If you're sure about it, we would love to have you, Edgar said. I'm sure. No one needs to get consolidated. Let's do it, Hunter said. It's settled then, I said. Project Thibodeau, Mission 2. Project Tubido. Mike doesn't get to name stuff anymore, Anne said. You all told me that it was fine that he could just name this one thing, and now he's named this one thing, and this is what he chose to do with it? Project Tubido? You're welcome for the great name, I said. So, is that everything for the meeting? As in, can you all please get out of my bedroom? It's starting to stink in here. I was just shocked that it didn't stink in here before, Marissa said. It didn't stink in here before because it's also my bedroom most of the time, Edgar said. Fun banter, fun banter. Maybe you could go have it somewhere else, I said. Does anyone have anything that they want to add before we dismiss? Edgar asked. Nobody responded for a while, and then Marissa stood up. Rest in peace, Ravi. I always teased you for acting like I was your boss, and I never got the chance to tell you that I genuinely enjoyed your company. I don't know what the future base or Mike thought that you did, but I miss you, and I wish that there was some other way things could have happened. I got you into this with my recklessness, and you suffered the consequences, and I'm, I'm sorry. Rest in peace, Ravi. Rest in peace, Ravi. Anne said. Ravi was... a scheming little rat, I said. Everyone stared daggers at me. What? It's true. He was going to turn us into over. That's how this whole thing started. Don't get me wrong, I still have sympathy for the guy. I am also a scheming little rat. That's my whole thing. I am also, if you recall, the proud owner of three other scheming little rats, or more accurately, hamsters. Rest in peace, Chubbums. I love scheming little rodents. Just this week, Princess Daffodil made a jailbreak and shredded a month's worth of toilet paper. I love her. We know that Princess Daffodil shredded all of the toilet paper, Anne said, perturbed. Are you done putting your foot in your mouth yet, Mike? Rest in peace, Ravi, is my point. Everyone get out of my room, I said. Can't get out of here fast enough, Marissa said. Everyone shuffled out of my bedroom, Edgar included, taking their folding chairs with them. Hunter was the last one out. He grabbed the door to close it on his way out and looked back at me. There was the faintest hint of something in his gaze, something that I recognized but had never seen in Innocent Hunter. It was a serious look, almost a grimace. It was the only look that Punish Hunter ever gave me. 
he looked so much like Punished Hunter in that moment. Which makes sense because they are literally the same person, but I had always managed to see them as completely different people. They always treated me differently. I was seeing the continuity between them for the first time, and I didn't like what I saw. Still, it was a little thing. A single look after a difficult conversation. It gave me a tiny chill, but I thought nothing of it. I was alone in my bedroom. I locked the door. I needed the privacy. I threw the cowboy hat into the closet forcefully, slightly bending one of the edges out of shape. I laid down on the bed and stared at the ceiling. It had been a heated meeting, and I came out the bad guy at every single turn. I was the one who conceived of the botched mission. I was the one who stole the files from Hunter. I was the one who killed Ravi. You turn into me, remember that. I remember Michael. It's a decision that I am eventually going to make, already made manifest in the here and now, like an avalanche barreling toward me with nothing that I can do to get out of the way. I can always hope that it was the right decision, but I won't know until it is time for me to make it and then live with it. But when you fall off the horse, you get right back on. And you should probably seek medical attention at some point, but you'll get to the doctor faster if you get back up on that horse. We had done what we could to process Mission 1. We examined its corpse. The right thing to do was to keep going. There was important work to be done, and we could do it better than we did it last time. Marissa deserved better. Hunter deserved better. I deserved better. Ravi deserved better. So, next time, we would do it better. This has been Wobegon. Next time, Project Tubido. Thanks for playing. Look at that. I haven't even uploaded the episode yet, and yep, it appears that everyone in the state of Minnesota has stopped listening to the show. How strange. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.